Hey everyone, welcome back to another ACR Radio show. Uh, this week we've got a really, really good interview for you guys. Um, Lisa Maynard Atman decided that she would uh, let us interview her this week. Now, I've known Lisa for a long, long time, probably uh, over 10 years now. Um, she started out as a stylist who wanted to launch a blog just to be on social media, just to have a presence online. She worked really hard on a blog and really hard on a styling. She embraced social media so much so that you got the chance to pitch to Harrods and become Harrods um, head of social marketing, which kind of, she, she explained herself, it was, she went down there on a wing and a prayer. She had the presentation set and all the things she wanted to say. And she was really lucky enough to to get the job initially for a couple of months and she made the most of it. And now Harrods is one of the um, most followed luxury brands in the world um, with over over a million followers by the time Lisa had departed, which was a massive, massive milestone in her career, which she, she talks about in a little bit more depth in the show. Um, we talk about her launching the social word, why the social word came to be and what the <clears throat> the background of that is and why she feels that it's so important and why she feels brands should embrace social media in a different kind of way. We talk about quality over quantity and follower numbers are not necessarily uh, the be all and end all. You can have huge amounts of followers and very, very low engagement, and it's just a vanity number. Um, it's something that we delve into quite a lot in the show, and it's a really, really interesting chat. So hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, so today on the show, we have got Lisa Maynard Atom who uh, I've known for a long, long time, many, many years, um, through various different guises of um, roles and, and positions in companies and stuff like that. We've talked many times about social and all these kinds of things that we're going to talk about today. But I'm really, really grateful that she's given us the time and she's joined the show and all that kind of stuff. So what I will do now is I'll let Lisa introduce herself and give you guys a scope of where she's been and what she's been up to. Okay, well, hi Brad, really nice Hello. to speak again. Thanks for having me on. Um, really exciting, really interesting. Um, yeah, my name is Lisa Maynard Atem. I currently work as a social media consultant for a number of brands. Previous to that, I worked for Harrods for just over seven years, um, heading up their social media. I started with them in 2010 and I left in November 2017 and in my just over seven years there I headed up um, all of their social media, um, grew it from pretty much um, zero up to, I think when I left it was upwards of um, three million followers. Um, when I left, um, in, in terms of their Instagram, I think they were the most followed luxury department store in Europe and one of the most followed in the world. Um, so yeah, that's what I did for a period of seven years. Um, how I actually got into social media was previous to Harrods, I worked for myself um, actually as a fashion stylist and I needed a real um, a cost effective way to promote myself. And I basically set up a Facebook group um, because Facebook pages didn't exist at the time. Instagram didn't exist at the time. So I set up a Facebook group and a Twitter account and basically just started promoting myself through that. And as time went on, I started to get questions about how to, how to use social media from a business perspective. So I was just kind of giving out this information free of charge. And then as time went on, I ended up doing more social media than I did styling, which for me worked out quite well because I didn't really enjoy the styling that much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it kind of went went into I kind of went from 
fashion styling into actual social media and then the opportunity came up for me to pitch to Harrods which I did um as I remember rightly it was a really it was actually quite a short pitch I think it was about four or five pages long I think I remember talking to you about it Brad yeah um, I think you actually looked over the pitch for me I think I might have I yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and I honestly didn't I know this is going to sound terrible and it's not meant to but I just at the time when I sent it, I wasn't 100% convinced that I would get the opportunity because I thought a big company like that, they're going to give it to an agency. So I kind of sent it off and kind of didn't think too much about it. I then went through a good few months of interviews and um, telephone interviews and physical interviews. And then at the end of that, I was offered a three-month contract, um, which wasn't, obviously, it's not a, a massive, massive contract, but it was like, it was three months with the most famous luxury department store in the world. And I thought, you know what? I may never get this opportunity again. So I moved to London and started working for them. And then after a period, I think it was about seven, six, seven weeks, um, they created a position there and offered it to me. And as they say, the rest is history. Wow. <laughs> Do you know what I remember? I know we were talking off air before about all kinds of different things, which I'm sure we'll go into again in a minute. But uh, just to jump on the Harrods pitch, I remember, I think it was the first or second time we'd met and you said that you were um, getting ready to pitch to Harrods and at the time I thought it was the coolest and the craziest thing I'd ever heard because <laughs> I know that you, when when I first when we first met you're like oh I, I've just started the blog myself and you'd you have your style and blog and doing different bits and bobs and finding out finding your feet and where you fit and all this kind of things and then just from nowhere it's like oh yeah and I've got this pitch for Harrods I was like what? Like it was, it was mind blowing at the time to think <laughs> that you're just going to walk in and go social it is one of the biggest things you could possibly do right now. And I'm the person to do it for you. So it's like you mentioned before, you started at nothing and it's 3 million plus now, one of the highest followed luxury brands in the world. Like that's, that's a claim to fame in social if ever there was one. It's, uh, it's pretty I, impressive. See, I don't see it that way. If people think I'm crazy, but I genuinely... I just didn't see it like that. I just thought, you know, at the time I was like 32 years old and my career wasn't going in the direction I wanted to go in. And I knew I had all of this ability, but it just wasn't, I just wasn't getting the right opportunities. And for me, Harrods was, for me, Harrods was my, was my big chance. It was my big shot to actually do something and actually prove something to myself. And that's how I saw it. You know, the fact that it was Harrods, don't get me wrong, I, I was very aware of that. But for me, it was, it was very much, and I think I said this to you before, it's very much a personal journey. And yeah. it was very much something I wanted to prove to myself that I need I need to make this work. I need to prove to myself that I can actually do this. And it was totally insane because, you know, and I've said this, you know, to other people before when I've done other interviews, I, I didn't know 100%. I think I said this to you as well at the time, how it was going to work out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could have been back home in Manchester after three months you know, I just didn't yeah, know my attitude was, you know, just, just do it. Just, just get out there, try it and see where it takes you. And, you know, it was really hard. It was very, very hard because at the time when I started, as you know, a lot of companies were very skeptical of social media. Oh, yeah. They didn't necessarily yeah, I mean, see the value in it. Yeah. You know, a lot of them thought it was what, you know, some geeks do in their bedroom. Yeah. You know, they just didn't see it as valuable. And myself and many other people, yourself included, you know, we really fought an uphill struggle to get companies buying. You know, and if I'm being completely honest, you know, even when I worked at Harrods, it took me quite some time to get people to buy into what I was trying to 
educate them on that actually social media one day is going to be massive. It's going to be a fundamental part of your communications arsenal for your business. I didn't realize just how true that would become, um, especially with Instagram. I mean, when I joined, they didn't have Instagram. They only had Facebook and Twitter. And I'd been doing quite a bit of research on Instagram. And I did my research. I presented to my manager and other board members and said, look, I think this channel has the potential to be massive in the future, even bigger than like Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, at the time, people laughed at me. They were like, okay, fair enough. So, you know, I, I got, I, you know, I fought and I got the permission to set the account up. I didn't realize just how true just that statement was. I, did, I had no clue, Brad. I'll be completely honest. <laughs> was, I had no clue. <laughs> was there any point in the process? I, I know I've got, uh, it's part of the journey and all that kind of stuff, but was there any part of the process when you were pitching to Harrods where you, you had that sort of thought to yourself where you're like, I've, I've got this now. I've, I've got them. The, the buying in was the, was it something that you said or just a, a question you got asked where you think they're buying into this now and there's actually a chance that, that I could I could get this opportunity? Honestly, no. I, really? I And I think, no, honest. And I think, you know, I think that's partly why I did. I got I ended up getting the opportunity and I ended up doing as well as I did because I never I never I not that I never thought it was going to work out. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I think I got to the point where I was just so desperate to, to make something of myself and be successful I just thought fuck it I'm just going to do it and just, I'm just going to see what happens that was my attitude it was literally like I'm just going to do this and see where it takes me and I never had any expectations I was like you know what the fact that I've gotten to pitch for the most famous luxury department store in the world is a yeah. massive massive thing and if it goes no further you know that's a pretty cool thing but I honestly didn't think I honestly didn't, they were, you know, I, I probably doubted myself a lot more than I should have. Um, and then when they came back and said they were going to offer me a contract, I was like, oh, my, that's when it was like, oh, my God, I've actually now got this. I've actually done. And I remember, I think I rang you or I text you and a few other people like, oh, my God, they've offered it yeah. to me. What do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take it. Live the life. That's what you do now. That's what you work for. And, and that's the thing. It was like when I actually got it, it was like, oh, my God this is actually going to happen. I'm actually going to move to London. I'm actually going to do this job. Um, and then I remember my very first day it was the 1st of September, 2010. I remember getting there and standing in front of the building and just thinking, shit. Yeah, what, what do I do <laughs> I, now? I've got to do this now. <laughs> like, oh my God. And like loads of people, including you, messaged me saying good luck. And I was like, oh great, I'm so excited. I was excited, but I was absolutely bricking it as well. Yeah. I was like, if I get this wrong, I'm going to have to go home, tell between my legs. It's going to be so embarrassing. Do you know and what, think, though? Even if uh, it hadn't, hadn't gone right, which it, it did, which everyone was made up for, but even if it hadn't, at least you could never say, I didn't do it. Or exactly. like you said, I didn't take the opportunity or I didn't take the chance and stuff like that. And for that reason, no one can like, no one can crap on it. Or no one can say it was a bad thing because you went, you tried something completely different, pitching an idea that was ahead of itself at the time like you said before how many companies still now don't have instagram and it's been it's 10 years old like however many years old I, I i was talking to um an email consultant this morning saying oh i still speak to clients now don't don't have an email program and you wonder how companies in that like i know we were chatting before like in this digital space and this digital age where everything is about connections and, and being relative and, and being relatable to a brand and making it personal to you and all this kind of stuff. How they cannot use these channels. It, it's, I know, it's, crazy. it's just hard, isn't it? But yeah, I, I honestly, crazy. 
I just, I think, I think, and I genuinely think, and people laugh at me when I say this, but I genuinely think even now that part of the reason that I was successful and I was able to make it work was because I had that kind of attitude. I was at the point where I just felt, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. So yeah. even if I end up going home, you know, I started from a point of zero anyway. So I just literally just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for this. I'm not going to have any expectations of it. I'm not going to like, you know, and, and you know yourself, when I first started, I was very discreet. I didn't tell many people what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't talk about Harrods on my own personal social media because I figured, you know what, if I make a tit of myself, <laughs> you know, everyone's going to yeah. know. So let me just be very discreet about it. And plus as well, I didn't know where it was going to go. So I thought, let me just keep it under wraps for now. You know, and all of my friends and people I know, yourself included, nobody made a big deal about it on social media. Any conversations we had about it was always offline because A, that's not, Harrods is a particular type of brand. And, but more so, more so than anything, I didn't want to be like, oh, you know, I'm at Harrods now. And this is so cool. Yeah. It's amazing. Because if it went tits up, I'm going to end up with egg on my face. Yeah, so I thought, let me just, you know, let me just kind of work hard in silence and hopefully my success will be my noise. And fortunately, oh, it, it worked was. out that way. But it I still can't was. believe it did. I know this, again, that sounds insane, but I still can't believe. It's like the other day I was somewhere and they were talking about Harrod's social media. And I was like, oh, my God, I did that. Yeah, you were you were totally involved. <laughs> you, you were like, oh, that was me so once, did, once upon a time. What, what? But no, when you, when you first started, obviously it was a you mentioned before it was a battle to get people involved and to get people to buy in and to really to understand the relevance of all of these channels like the ad Facebook and Twitter, which is which is fine. I think they're like uh, they're like a staple now anyway. You sh you should just yeah. have them as a thing. When Instagram first launched, you were like, no, I'm this is going to be huge. At what point did the business really? Um, start getting involved and start commenting on content or I, were they completely involved from the outset because they wanted to to be in control well i had buy-in from the outset you know it wasn't a case of just me on my own fighting a little battle i had buy-in from the outset but it wasn't from the wider business and i think one of the you know i think one of the really key things for me to mention here is that you know, what was vital in my success in that organization was building relationships. As in any, you know, any role to be successful, you have to have relationships. But when you're introducing something new and you need to get buy-in, you need to, um, you really need to build relationships. So I spent, you know, I spent a long time presenting to people, going and having meetings with people. I think I did a big presentation, which I think I spoke to you about a few days before I did it. <laughs> Possibly. And, you know, I I spent a lot of time kind of educating people and sitting down face to face with people to really get their buy in. And I think what what really kind of started to change people's minds was we did Burberry because I had I made a list of brands I wanted to work with. And, you know, when I first started, I wasn't really getting getting very far with them. And um, no, it wasn't Burberry. Actually, it was, it was Dolce Gabbana that we did. The first, the very first kind of brand partnership we did from a social perspective was um, a, a Justin Bieber <laughs> Don't oh, nice. Take a Part Party <laughs> cool. that was thrown in Milan, and the business agreed to let me fly over and cover it. So I went over there. I covered it on, I think it was on Twitter because Twitter was the one at the time, and then came back with a big report on it. And then from there, the, re the re I think the real turning point for, for me, I think, was when we did a collaboration with Burberry on the Be A Buyer campaign, 
So what that was, was the, it was, I can't remember what year it was, but they were showing at London Fashion Week, the Women's Wear Autumn Winter Collection. So the, the show had happened and then we were given all of the images or from the Women's Wear Collection to put on Facebook. And then our followers and our fans had to vote for their favourite look. And the, the, the look that got the most votes was then bought in by the buyers. Ah, and okay. that got a lot of press. It was picked up, I think, by the Huffington Post. It was picked up by quite a lot of publications, um, online publications, digital publications. And that's when people started to really notice. And I think as well, people really started to comment on the fact that we engaged with people. You know, I would do things like, because I think, um, you know, Harris is one of the pillars of the brand pillars of Harris is service. They're, they're very, very high yeah. on their service. You know, excellence in everything, especially customer service. So I try to introduce that into the social media. So we would do things like every morning we would say, good morning. We look forward to welcoming you to Harris today. Do yeah. tweet us, you know, because when you actually physically go to the store, you have the green men at the door greeting you. You have people greeting you when you're in the store. So it was I was trying to take some of those elements um, of the business and introduce them into the social media obviously it's a bit difficult to do that because obviously it's digitally not physically but I think that was one of the things and one of the we we used it I used it in the way that it was meant to be used being social so if somebody tweeted saying they were coming to the store I would reply saying hi Brad that's great news do share your pictures with us uh, we look forward to welcoming you to our Harrods home you know, I was basically just using the channels in the way that they were supposed to be used. And that as well got picked up by quite a lot of people. And people started to write about it. We'd get feedback saying, oh, you know, Harrods are always engaged and they always get back to you. Um, and I think that was one of the things. It was like, for me, th that I wanted to establish those foundations. And for me, the foundations were actually using the channels in the way that they were meant to be used and then layering sales messages if you like because that's what they are on top of that instead of just trying to hit people all the time with come in and buy this product or go online and buy this it's a case of actually use the channels in the way they're meant to be used in order to get your message across and that's where and then as that went on more and more people in the business started to notice it and then when we set the instagram up it grew at an incredibly fast place um and i think when it hit a hundred thousand followers that's when people were like okay yeah, it's got this some is, legs now. Something now. But yeah. that, you know, that took time. And I think that's one thing that I find quite frustrating now. You know, it's very different now. Fast forward eight, nine, ten years. You know, you can buy followers now. You have, they have bots out there. Whereas when I did this and when you started doing it, it was all organic. Yeah, it was a Yeah, there was no, you know, we didn't have much in the way of budget. Everything I did, you really had to think about what you were doing you really had to be creative you really had to test and try different things because there was there were no bots I mean and even if they were even if they had been you know I would never have used them and I think that's one of the things I'm really proud of with what I did at Harrods everything was grown organically there is there was no inflation of numbers there was nothing going on behind the scenes it was purely all organically driven I mean obviously you do social advertising but that didn't come till much later on and you know later on down the line and I think for me that's one of the, the things I'm really proud of is it was all done the organic way it was all done the good old-fashioned way whereas now it's very very different yeah. you know people have bots for engaging you know some people are not even managing their own accounts which again I mean I don't really have a problem with that but I think what I'm trying to say is that when I started doing this and when you started doing it we were basically learning as we were going along yeah you know, oh I remember day, we would go in 
and I would think, right, okay, what am I going to... I would literally, when I first started, and, and you know, it, it sounds ridiculous, but when I first started doing it, I would literally go in every morning. I'd be in before 8 o'clock every morning. I'd walk the shop floor for a couple, for a good hour or two, taking pictures, taking down notes, making mental notes of things that would be interesting for social media, and just doing it reactively. You know, all, you know, everything in the early days was done reactively, and then as time went on, it became more planned, it became more thought out. But in those early days, when we were all kind of at the same level, we didn't really know, we didn't really fully understand how social media worked. You know, we were all at the same stage. So it was just a case of every single day trying different things to see what worked and what didn't. But yeah, it took, I would say, probably a good two years to get buy-in from everyone. But once everybody got on board with it, it was incredible because was then sold. we got so much support from the business. You know, the buyers would get the brands to send things alien for us so we could photograph them, you know, and that's the thing. None of that would have been possible without any, without that buy-in, without that kind of period of education and meeting with people and building those relationships because as much as I spearheaded it and you know I was responsible for leading that I could not have done that on my own it, it would have been impossible yeah you bring you bring it all together but you the team it's a team effort at the end of the day Definitely. you know what's interesting though when you said before about um the way the, the the way you try to take the store experience and the personal experience onto a digital space simple really really simple things like saying good morning to your followers saying um I, I always caught it when it was you were saying the store's closing now and we hope you've had a really nice day and we're going to welcome you back soon and all these kinds of things that at, at the time i thought were really really simple but really really clever like I, I i still don't see many brands that say good morning every morning and yeah and, and it's, it's, it's just like basic that. things because if you think about it, right, social media is meant to be all about connecting with people. It's meant to be about forming an emotional connection with people. And what, you know, it's about, for me, it's about it's about human behavior. What do people respond positively to? People like, you know, and, and, I, and maybe it's because I'm a northerner. You know, you go out in the morning, you say good morning to people. You say hi. You might have a chat with somebody on the train. Uh, you know, you, you say someone have a nice day or whatever. And I think those are things whether you're doing it physically or digitally those are things that people react to positively you know who's going to object to to you saying good morning to them and have it, wishing them a nice day who's going to object to you saying you know we're signing off for the evening enjoy your evening and join us again tomorrow you know i think for me those things are really important and i think like you said i think you're absolutely right even now that kind of stuff i don't see i don't really see that on social media Everybody's just hell bent on pushing out their product and having something to say. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes the simplest tactics are the most effective. And of all the things I did in my time there, those are the things that people always commented on. It wasn't the, you know, if we'd gone to Paris to photograph something <laughs> at the Eiffel Tower. It was, there was, I'll never forget, there was one guy who said to me, whenever Harrod signs off on their tweets, I know it's time to, for me to go and have my dinner, for me to go and have my tea. You know, and it, oh, to no. me, <laughs> it's things like that. It's like as soon as he saw that tweet, he always went and made his dinner because he knew yeah. it was time for dinner. And it was, it's things like that for me. And to me, that's how you build advocacy. That's how you build a love of your brand. You know, at the end of the day, Harrods are selling products, similar products to Selfridges, Harvey Nichols, Liberty. You know, that doesn't really differentiate you. What differentiates you is how you speak to your audience, how you connect with them, how you engage with them. That's where, the, you know, the differences come in. If it's just about product, you know, that's, you know, for example, if we're all selling the same brand or the same dress from, say, Self-Portrait, to me, that's not as big a thing as if 
somebody's coming to the store and they're bringing their grandmother for afternoon tea and they happen to mention it, yeah. which is what happened to us. A lady brought her grandmother in for afternoon tea for her birthday and she tweeted about it. And I, I thought, okay, cool, we should do something nice for them. So I rang the um, restaurant manager said, look, this lady's just sent this tweet. I'll send you a screenshot of it. Can you get the green of the green men to come up and, you know, say happy birthday, give her a glass, give them a glass of glass of champagne and some cake, you know, and, and, and they did that. And they were shocked. Like, how did you know? Because oh, we saw it on Twitter. Our social media team let us know. So we thought we'd come and wish you happy birthday. To me, that's social media. Yeah, you know, you, it goes a you long can do way. all the fancy videos, yeah. all the funny memes, all the gifts you want. But to me, that is what that is the foundations of what social media is. And I think a lot of companies don't like. You're right. A lot of brands don't do that. They just go straight in for right. This is our product. This is our message. Sell, 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 sell. Whereas, you know, if you if you think about it, the, the more intelligent way to do it is to try to connect with people emotionally. And then layer your kind of sales messages, if you like, on top of that. Yeah. And I think there's an element as well of you when, when you're in that space and you say good morning and, and good and good afternoon and, and we're signing off and all that kind of stuff in in a digital space it is automatically assumed that it's 24 seven that if a business can tweet, a business can do every other aspect of their business. So. You can ship an order, you can track an order, you can do this, you can do that and do the other. I know Harrods is slightly different in the way it's, it's, it's constructed and all these kind of things. But in a digital space, everyone assumes that you're 24-7 all, yeah. all on. If you, in the morning, say good morning, then you're in for the day. So anything that comes your way, you will deal with in a timely yeah, manner. Yeah, of course. If you say good night, we're signing off. This is the end of the day. We welcome you back tomorrow. We can't wait to see you. And all these kinds of like really nice, friendly, engaging things. Expectations of people drop like on a subconscious level, I think, to say, well, if there's any issues or problems or questions, when they sign on in the morning, that's when they're ready to answer it. So you're kind of managing your own processes at the same time. Exactly. And that was part of the reason we did it as well. It was like people know when we're online and when we're offline because the reality is we couldn't be on there 24 7 it just wasn't possible you know we were when I first had it it was just me and even as time went on the team wasn't massive so there was no way we could be on there 24 hours a day seven days a week so that was another and you know as much as it's about connecting with people and you know and trying to extend the idea of the physical service onto our social media platforms it was also a way of managing the audience's expectations so at least if they tweet about something that say 10 o'clock at night if they go onto our twitter feed and see that we're signing off for the evening join us again tomorrow we look forward to reading your tweets they'll know okay well they're not physically there so they'll come back to me tomorrow so yeah. that was a well, that was another reason you know because i think that's the thing as well it's not just about you know developing emotional connections with people it's about being strategic and at the end of the day harris is a business and we only work X amount of hours during the day and we need to be able to manage the customer's expectation. Yeah. So that was the, the that was the other side of it as well. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It might, you know, you're managing your you're managing your audience's expectations. They know when you're available and they know when you're not available. Yeah. No, I, I, I like I said before, it's the simplest thing, but one of the most effective things that you do and it, it's at a subconscious level where people understand what you're doing you're managing expectations you're managing your own workflow to a point because you know that if queries come in like i've seen loads of brands they post messages of an evening and tweets and instagram posts and all this kind of stuff and the first three or four comments on them are why can you post on instagram but you can't answer an email or you can't answer your phone and all this kind of thing it's 
it's understanding that process and like yeah like i mentioned before everyone just assumes digital is 24 7 and there's always someone on the end of a on the end of a laptop or the end of a, a computer that'll just fix it for you where that's not always the case in, in no definitely, but, definitely no. not so then to switch it around then from you you said before um you got the buy-in from the company after a little while and people started engaging a little bit more and understanding the reasons why you were doing what you were doing and customers got the buy-in from the green men going over with the champagne and the cake and all these kinds of things so you're you you're harrod's social manager you manage all the channels and do all this kind of stuff how many people have said to you before social is just sitting on facebook all day or social is just sitting on instagram all day and you know and i know completely that that is not the case being a social manager is so much more involved so much more in depth how how do you deal with those misconceptions when people come in especially in a business that um maybe like harrods that don't appreciate the scope of what social is capable of um i think one of the ways i always did it and i still do is um because yeah i get you know i used to get this all the time not so much now but you know people even my even members of my own family you know even my mom who doesn't to be fair does not really get social does not really get digital <laughs> but she'd be like yeah. but you know lisa when you know when are you going to get a proper job you can't just sit on facebook all day i'm like if all if my job was just to sit on Facebook all day, I would be happy, happy as Larry. Yeah. But in fact, I said to you before, you know, I spent a long time building relationships, educating people internally and externally as to the value and the benefits of social media. You know, it's not just about oh, I'm gonna take. It's not just oh, well, I'll take a picture of that or I'll do a I'll do a boomerang. You know, that is that is the end result of a very very lengthy process. And what I always used to do, like, I'll never have, I'll forget, this guy said to me, you know, I could do your job. I'm like, okay. So I invited him to come and sit with me in the team for the day. And I said, right, okay, right. So you can do my job. So, and he was like, what do you mean, there you go? And I'm like, well, no, you said this job is really, really easy. So I'm going to let you get on with it. You run it for the day and see how, see, see how you happens. get on. Yeah. And I, I went off, I went to get a coffee and within like 10, 15 minutes, he rang me and said, Lisa, I can't, I can't do this. I've already had six people come up and ask me questions about <laughs> campaigns. You know, what am I supposed to say to them? Like, but you yeah. said it was easy. You said it was just posting stuff on social media. So just post some stuff. Is that, well, well, obviously it's not that simple. And it's like, you have no idea just how, com you know, I have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets, meetings upon meetings, not just inter with internal stakeholders, but with external stakeholders as well, especially from a luxury brand perspective. You have to consider things like, okay, if we're creating a piece of content um, in collaboration with your brand, your, it has to meet our guidelines, it has to meet your guidelines. There's a whole approval process that could take days, weeks, months. You know, it, it's so, you know, the, the piece of content that you see in your feed is the end result of what is what can be an extremely lengthy process. Yeah. You know, we used to plan, you know, we'd be planning for Christmas 2020 now. That, you know, that's how wow. it works. You know, some brands work two, three, four years ahead of time. Yeah. You know, writing, you know, a communication, a social communications plan for a campaign that's not happening for another year and a half. And obviously things are prone to change, but you need to be flexible. But it needs to be, that's how granular it is. It's not, I always say this to people because I, I lecture as well at the London College of Fashion. And I always say to people, never fall into the trap of thinking social media is just a point and shoot thing and point and shoot and post. You know, it takes planning, 
it takes a lot of thought it takes a lot of consideration there are so many other factors you know you've got to think about your tone of voice you've got to think about you know the kind of the guidelines in terms of your brand you've got to think of okay if you want to piggyback on a particular subject is that subject relevant for your brand is it appropriate for you there are so many things that you have to consider it's not just a case of taking a picture and posting it, it is a, you're doing it as a private individual and you're not bothered about your social media but social media from a professional perspective is extremely different to social media from a personal perspective and I lost count of the amount of times you know I used to say this to people who just thought you just post stuff and it's like there are you know especially as my role developed at Harris and as the social media grew I spent less and less time actually posting content I was the one behind the scenes leading everything you know making sure that my you know making sure that that everything was in place in order for my team to be able to do their job with the grace of ease you know as, as the time went on I spent less and less time actually creating the content I was actually leading the team and managing the team who were actually creating the content. So yeah, it's definitely not just a case of sitting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram all day. I wish it was. <laughs> no, I completely, I, I, I feel for you with, with the, 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 I suppose the size and the, the pressures that come with a brand like Harrods, that especially uh, when you first go into that, that must be pretty daunting and pretty um, stressful, let alone when you get into a place where it's becoming successful and then you have to keep the momentum going and you have to challenge yourself and challenge the brand and all these kind of things. That's that's a big ask. And it's it's kind of interesting that you say, you've talked loads about um, the, the way you see social and the way you built Harrods Instagram and, and overall social presence was connecting with people, the simple hellos, the good nights, the um, engaging when they're in the building and, and trying to do nice things for them and all that kind of stuff. So... How have you then found the switch? Because I've kind of gone on the same transition as you over the years with the various different things. But how have you found the switch from I want to engage with people because that's how I'm going to build a brand to, I suppose, a more data-led approach now in that there is so much data available. You can really, you can personalize content and you can target content down to places that you've visited, where you've been, where you're going, where you've booked. Uh, keywords and in, in searches that you've made or just such a vast amount of data how how do you combine engaging followers versus using the data to your advantage um I, I i think for me i think the thing is i haven't really changed my outlook in terms of social media i think you know at the very core at its very core it's, uh, centrally it is about engagement and for me it's about me i've i've kept my belief that those those simple things are still some of the most effective things you can do i think the great thing about data is data allows you to create more relevant content because doing things like good morning and hello and all that kind of that's more generic that's more that's more wider reaching i think i think personally i think having data is great because i think one of the things i would say that in the early days of social we were just kind of throwing things at the wall and and seeing what stuck and then repeating those things. Whereas with the introduction of data and things like that, it allows you to be really intelligent with your social media. And I, as I said before, it's all about layers. So for me, the foundational stuff will still be engaging with somebody who might come into one of my client's stores or use one of my client's businesses. But then on top of that, I'm gonna layer the more kind of data-driven content, the more specific content. 
I personally don't think it's it's good to get too obsessed with data because I do think social media is equally about human behavior, you know, and, and human behavior can't necessarily be quantified by data. You know, why does somebody like a particular brand over another? Why does some why do you choose to wear Adidas trainers instead of Nike? You know, there are there are a whole host of reasons for that. Um yeah, and data's data, not emotive in that way. Yeah. Yeah. data is not emotive data is just numbers yeah. it's just numbers it's just figures and don't get me wrong it's very important and your data should be your best friend but it, sh- it shouldn't overtake the emotive side of social media it should complement it that that's how i feel yeah. um it's a guide I, not an answer yeah i just thing. don't think i don't think i don't think data data driven content should be used in isolation and i don't think emotive content should be used in isolation i think there always needs to be a marriage between the two i think that's really really important okay so on that then in the the merging of the data and the engagement and, and that kind of stuff do you do you think that social is missing anything in particular do you think there's something that over the years has fell out of social and and that whole space or that needs to be brought into it a little bit more um i actually think i think the kind of stuff what, what we discussed with the harris thing and saying the good morning and i think that kind of side of things has fallen by the wayside a little bit i think we've we've gone to a stage with social where people have been so desperate to grow their following and and have a massive following they're just doing what and there's definitely an element of or has been and still is to a degree an element of people doing whatever they think they need to do in order to get those numbers and get you know and get get those massive massive numbers and get that massive massive following i do think the um i do think the social has gone out of social media a little bit i don't think people are as social as they used to be i also don't think it's as positive a space sometimes as it used to be when i first joined social media i met people like yourself and it, you know, I'm not saying it was all touchy, touchy feely, nicely, nicely, but it was—it was definitely a lot more positive, a much more of a positive space than maybe it is now. Especially if you look at something like Twitter. When I joined Twitter, you know, Twitter was quite a happy place. Fast forward to present day, Twitter has there is definitely an undercurrent of negativity. You know, especially from a political perspective. If you think about what's going on in the world now, you know, social media there is a kind of a darker side to it. And I think that's becoming more and more prominent, which I think in some ways is not a terrible thing, but it's also not a great thing either. So I do think the so the idea of being social has gone out of social media a little bit, which is, is a bit sad. Do you think, though, uh, I've had this conversation plenty of times with plenty of people and probably you as well over the years. But do you think that the you mentioned the underlying negativity and the political um, agendas and all these kinds of things that you see now? Do you think that? They've just always been there, but social has, has given them a platform. Like, everyone, anyone can open a Twitter account and, and rant about anything they want to rant about. That's kind of uh, the, the freedom of these social platforms. So I think is the element of everyone's always had these opinions, but now, Jim, well, you become an influencer when you start guiding the, uh, guiding the thought process towards a particular result. So do you think there's just more of that where we mentioned before off before we started recording anyone can become an influencer now with the right with the right tools with the right kind of level of commitment it's not i don't think it's particularly difficult to do that now especially with the likes of the bots and you're buying followers and as soon as like we've said many times as soon as a brand can see the number of followers that you've got engaged or not 
that vanity number becomes a tool to a brand or or, or to an agenda um i think i do think that you know i love social media and i think i see a lot of positives about it i see i see social media for the for the potential that it has and the benefits that it can offer to individuals businesses to everyone but i do think it's given rise to like a lot of keyboard warriors you know it's given rise to everybody who has an opinion about everything. And I'm not saying, you know, that's not a bad thing. I do believe that it's made the world more connected. It's made the world more informed. It's given access to industries and areas, you know, part, you know parts of industries that regular people like myself would never have had access to. But I do think, you know, the caveat there is, you know, not every opinion is, is necessarily a positive one or yeah, a good one. It's not a valid opinion and, every time. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's like not every complaint is a valid complaint. Not everything, you know, people will just attack people on Twitter or on any platform. And that, for me, is where I kind of I kind of go off in a different direction. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm all for people having a voice. I'm all for people being entitled to their opinions and saying what they think. But when that, be, when that starts to become really negative or divisive, um or you know damaging in some way to another person or other people that for me is where it goes too far and i think that for me is one of the downsides of social media whilst it's great that people have a voice and people have can be influential some of those voices and some of those influencers are not necessarily positive and for me the worry is what effect does that have on people because yeah. not everybody is strong you know i can i can see something on twitter Somebody could send me an insult and be like, you know what, screw you, I don't care anyway. But on the other flip side, there'll be that person out there who sees that and takes that incredibly personally. And especially now where mental health is a big issue, you know, fight, you know, mental health has finally kind of taken on more of a public kind of platform in terms of people being open about it and talking about it, which is what should have happened all along. I think that's something we need to be mindful of from a social media perspective. You know, people, I've lost count of the amount of people I speak to who say, oh, they get depressed when they look at other people's Instagrams. And I always say to people, you know, not everything you see on social media is an absolute representation of the no. truth. Oh, no. It, it's other people's showreels. And you need to remember that, you know, you're seeing somebody who is, you know, on a beautiful desert island somewhere. How do you even know that image is real? Yeah. Do you know you what? Know, and I think that's I, the thing for me. I remember having this exact conversation with, with a, a guy I used to work with <laughs> and weeds. Um, to digress a little bit we'd been out with the family that weekend and took a picture of the kids sat on the bale of hay because we'd been pumpkin picking or something um and they were all smiles and all nice and all this kind of stuff and it was a really nice picture of the kids we posted it on instagram or facebook or whatever it was and that, and everyone liked it like it was really nice and all this kind of stuff the guy goes how do you get pictures of your kids like that when i can't like i've got a couple of kids and they're absolute mayhem they go nuts they go crazy we take them out and all this i was like you've just seen one millisecond of like a 48 hour weekend like it wasn't even that it was one single snapshot like there's nine other pictures there where they're both slapping each other and arguing with each other and all this kind of stuff and i always kind of use it always kind of stays in the back of my head when i hear people say that about how real instagram is or how real social is it's as real as the people are letting you see it to be exactly it's exactly not, i i like I, i've been through a whole fitness thing and, and a well-being thing and all that over the past few years and the amount of people who get more respect for saying this is what i look like when i'm healthy and fit and this is what i actually look like on a friday night when i'm eating pizza and watching a film it's like you, you have to you have to have them two sides in your head of what's yeah, real of life and what's being presented to you and i think like you mentioned before 
especially like younger kids now who don't know any different other than Facebook and Instagram can be really affected by it and can see it and think that's the life I want and get depressed because it's not. And that and that's the thing, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, people often ask me, why have I never gone into being an influencer myself? Why have I never because I you know I especially in my last job, I did a lot of exciting things. I traveled all over the world, I went to exciting fashion shows, I did all these things. But a lot of the time I didn't post a lot of stuff on my personal channels. A because obviously that was my job and I wanted to be as professional as possible, but B as well, I didn't want people to think that that was my life. You know, my life wasn't about going to fashion shows and sitting on a front row, you know, and it's not as glamorous as it sounds. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't ever want to be in that position where I, a young girl or a young boy looks at my feet and thinks, why don't I have that life? Because my life isn't actually like that. That was my job, you know, and I'm very honest when I talk to people, I say, look, you know what? The reason I got invited to those things was it was my job for the most famous luxury department store in the world. If I was working for someone else, I would never have got those opportunities. You know, so you know, don't don't be lulled into thinking that, oh my God, she had this really super, super glamorous life. Don't get me wrong, I got to do some really cool stuff and I still do, but that's not my entire life, which is why, you know, when people look at my Instagram, I post all sorts of stuff. You know, I post when I'm out with my friends. Or, you know, if I, you know, I love eating chips, so I might go and post a picture of cheesy chips or something, you know, and I, and I kind of do that deliberately because I don't want to be, I would hate for someone to look at my feed and feel crap about their own life. Yeah. Um, because my life isn't like that, you know, sometimes it's great and other times, like everyone else, it's a bit crap. <laughs> and it's really important that people understand that and people realize that. It's not just, oh, I'm going to another fashion show, or, oh, I'm going to the Philippines, or, oh, I'm doing something Yeah, glamorous. it's all really nice. You know, you know what, though, it's, it's just... funny that, um, like we were saying about, like, we're going to move on to the social world in a minute and, and talk a little bit about that, too, and kind of go on solo and stuff. But it's that kind of thing as well where when I, when people ask me what I do, and I, oh, I, I run my own business, I'm consultant, I do this and that and the other, they're like, oh, cool, so you don't, like, you don't actually have a job that you go to? Like, no, I have a job. Like, oh, no, you don't, because you just, like, work anywhere. Like, yeah, but it's it's, a, it's kind of a double-edged sword as well. Like, yeah. And you must know now, like, we were talking before about having an office and not having an office and all this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, I, I can work anywhere I want, but it means I can work anywhere I'm needed. So I don't have, a, a like, an in-and-out like you. So it's, it's it's complete swings and roundabouts. And it's like, like you said before, there's probably days where you sat at your desk in Harrods for 10, 12 hours in a day trying to sort out a campaign, whether it was happening now or happening six months, eight months, or whatever it was, that you would never post because it's just the grind of a day or yeah, the grind exactly. of a week. Exactly. And I think for me, that's <clears> one of the things I'm really, when I do do my lectures and I do talk to people, and not just that, outside of my lectures and things like that as well, I always say to people, what you see on the gram or on your feeds is not an absolute representation of the truth. You are seeing what people want you to see. Yeah. And that's not that's not me having a dig at anyone. It's just it's just being honest and being completely transparent. You know, I'm not going to post content when I'm having a really bad day or if I'm really upset about something. For me, that's just out of my comfort zone. There are certain things that I'm happy to put online, but there are some things that I prefer to keep offline. That's my personal choice. And the same applies to everyone else. You know, we don't post everything about our lives. It's just not how it works. And especially for young people, 
I think who are who are being born into and growing up in the age of social media, it's really important that they understand that. Yeah, you've got to see it. There's got to be a line. Yeah, That's definitely. Um, okay, so that's kind of a nice little tie into you your current position now with we mentioned before the social word so you've gone into more uh brand management and social management and all these kinds of different things how how did that switch happen where were you at in your in your journey where you thought it's the right time now i should do it now was it a client who enticed you to go was it a, a personal decision for you to challenge yourself some more um, I think it was a personal decision, to be honest. It was it was a bit like when I joined Harrods. You know, I had been, at the time when I left, I had been there for over seven years. You know, I had, I had exceeded my own expectations. And I think, like I said earlier on, I had no idea when I joined that company how that was going to work out. And, and I think sometimes when I say this to people, they think I'm a bit crazy, but it's like I didn't know. I didn't know whether I would be there for three months, three years or whatever, you know, and, you know, fast forward to present day, it went very well. It was very successful. Um, and my goal was because the fa- I had a personal goal of mine, um, because the Facebook and Twitter already existed, I wanted to set the Instagram up and get it to a million followers. That was my thing. It was like I would love just for me personally, it, you know, obviously for Harris as well, but just from a personal perspective, yeah, I would love to do goals. that. And that was one of the things I really had my heart set on. And they hit it. Um, it was January last 2017. It was a couple of days before my birthday. And, you know, we, it, was, it was quite an interesting day because um, we were obviously kind of hitting that refresh button every 20 seconds. <laughs> and um, we finally hit it. And it was like everybody was super excited. And don't get me wrong, I was excited too. But it was a bit of an anticlimax because I think I'd been working towards it for so long. And then I got there and it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. What's next? What's next? And I yeah. think that was the thing. I started to think, okay, I've, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. And you know, and I have achieved other things I wanted to achieve as well, but that was a, a personal thing for me. And it was like, right, okay, I need to start thinking about what my next step is. Um, you know, and people, you know, pe- many people have said to me, you know, you left an amazing job. You know, why would you leave that job? And it's like, well, I did everything I wanted to do. And I think that everything has its time and its place. And, you know, whatever happens to me from this point onwards, that job will, I, and I say this to everyone, will always be the best job I ever had. It was just in more ways than one. It boosted my career. It boosted my CV. It boosted my confidence from a personal perspective. It, you know, I proved to myself that I actually could do something and build something amazing. Um, but then I wanted to do my own thing. You know, it was never my plan to stay. And I think I'd had this conversation with you when I first joined that. It was never my plan to stay there forever. I always wanted to go on and do something else. I always wanted eventually to go back and work for myself. And I wanted to do things like lecturing, stuff like that. that I really enjoyed. So I just, I think I just, that journey, that particular part of my journey had just come to a natural end. And the thing as well is, I don't. I I built a legacy. So you know, because what I really like about my 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 history in terms of Harrods is that okay, yes, yeah, somebody else is there now and they're running it and they're doing it. But the thing is, I will always be the person who put them on the map from a social media perspective. I was the one who yeah, set no their Instagram and away. got them to a million followers. And whatever <clears throat> happens from this point on, nobody can ever take that away from me. And for me, that's such a nice feeling. You know. 
I did that. You know, when I hear people talking about it or I see it come up, it's like, I started that account. I yeah, got that account baby. to million followers. You know, and <laughs> that that will always be that will always be my thing. I will always be able to say that. I will always be able to claim that. You know, I didn't do it on my own. I had a fantastic team. I had fantastic support within the business. But I've left a legacy. And like I say, whatever happens after me, that legacy is, is will always be something I started. So for me, that was good enough for me. I'd done everything I wanted to do. I'd, met some, I'd made some terrific contacts, met some great people who've gone on to be, some of whom have gone on to become friends. It, like I say, that, that part of my journey just came to its natural end. Plus as well, I was coming up to my 40th birthday and I was like, you know what? I need to do something. I need to make a big change. I need to get out there and I need to just, I just need to take a risk like I did seven and a half years ago, eight years ago when I joined Harrods. And, and that was it really. It was just time to move on. It was just time to move on to the next stage of my journey. So with, with that said then, what, what is next? for Lisa and for the social words like I know we've talked about uh different things in, in branding and content and you want to keep you 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 have a business account for business reasons and all these kind of different things but what is next for the social word what's the goal of the social word for from a business point of view what's the goal of um the social word from a personal point of view in that what do you hope to achieve out of it I think from from a person I think for me what I hope to achieve is, is both from a per, it's both from a personal and professional perspective. Um, I was, you know, I worked very hard to get into Harrods and I had a lot of support from people. But one of the things, and you will know this as well, you know, it's not all about what you know, it's about who you know as well. And I think yeah. one of the things that was really important for me when I left my job is to kind of share my knowledge with other people and to kind of help people as much as possible because the reality is as much as I did that pitch and I went to Harrods and I pitched them and all, I would not have got in there on my own without the help and support of some terrific people. And I think, especially with the luxury sector, it's very hard to, especially with fashion, it's very, you know yourself, it's very, very hard to break into. Oh, yeah, and, without a doubt, yeah. You know, my thing is, okay, I, I did it from a social media perspective, but my thing is I really kind of want to, you know, don't get me wrong, I want to, I really want to do public speaking. That's what I've really got my heart set on. One of my goals now is to do a TED Talk. But as my one of my, my other goal is, which is equally as important, is to pay it forward. It's like I, I've gotten to where I am with the help and support of some incredible people. And if I can do that for other people, then for me, that will be an incredible achievement. Um, because as, like, I said, like I just said, as much as I worked my, my butt off for seven and a half years, I didn't get to where I've gotten to on my own. Um, and I think for me, that's something that's really, really important to me. So then you, you mentioned before about yeah, your public speaking and stuff like that. And uh, you've you, you done quite a, quite a few talks now in different places. And um, what is it? Is there a, a, a constant question that comes up to you from your experience at Harrods? Is there a question that comes up about um, personally, how you started the journey or what it takes to start the journey and stuff like that because it's interesting to go from from that area of such a luxury niche brand and then go into speaking and say now I'm going to tell everyone how to do it or tell everyone why they should do it or inspire other people to take the plunge even if it's not in in a digital space if it's just in life just something you really want to do just just grab it and do it 
Um, I think the, the, the question, if I'm being honest, the question I get asked most is how can I grow my followers? That's the question I always get <laughs> Okay, asked. cool. Um, I want more followers. Yeah, everybody wants more followers. But I think, I think for me, I think one of the things I'm really keen to get across to people is like I said to you, when I started out on my journey, I had no idea how it was going to work out. And I just thought, you know what, just give it, just try and see where you go. And I think that's the thing for me because so many people, and you'll know this yourself, so many people, and I was one of them once many, many years ago, you know, they kind of, you know, if you ask, I would say a, a group of about a hundred people, probably a good 70 of them or more would say they're not doing something they really love. Yeah. You know, there's so many people out there who wake up every day, you know, and they, it, it's just kind of Groundhog Day. They're going to a job that they don't really like um, they don't really like their boss. You know, they, they don't really care, but it pays their bills. And I get that. You know, I'm not I'm not knocking that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But, you know, I took a massive, massive risk. You know, I, I, I packed up my whole life. I gave up my whole life and moved to London for something that I didn't know whether or not it was going to be successful you know, don't get me wrong, I had to work really, really hard to make it successful. But the fact of the matter is, I took a massive risk. And that risk paid off. And I just think there are so many people out there who are scared to take risks and are scared to try things. And even if it's a small thing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be like going to a company like that and taking on that job and building their platforms and whatever. I think for me, one of the things I'm really keen to get across to people is just be willing to try things because you don't know where it will take you. Yeah. You have no idea. I mean, if someone had said to me eight years ago, you're going to be in a situation where you're leaving Harrods, having built their social media and made them one of the most followed luxury department stores in the world, and you're going to be lecturing at London College of Fashion, you're going to be working with some really interesting brands, like one of the brands I'm working for is a grooming brand called Barber Barber, which is, is incredible, and they're growing and they're set to expand internationally next year. If someone had said that to me eight, nine years ago, I probably wouldn't have believed them. I probably would not have believed them at all. And the fact of the matter is, fast forward eight or nine years, and that's where I am. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, we all have doubts. We all get scared. But my thing is, you know, just just try and see where it takes you. Um, and as well, it's just sharing my knowledge about social media. You know, I've spent, I've spent eight, nearly eight years building up the social media for a very famous business. Um, and I have a lot of information. I have a lot of kind of knowledge that I want to share um, but as well, what it, what the social word is for me, it's a, it's a no-nonsense kind of thing. Because I think one of the things about social media is there's a lot of fluff that surrounds it. And I'm not really a fluff person. I'm somebody who is all about strategy, who is all about doing things, especially for a business, for good, sound reasons. And for me, that's, I kind of, when I'm doing my talks, I'm doing my lectures, I'm kind of trying to get the more serious side of social media across. Like one of my things I always say to people is that, you know, tactics should never dictate objectives object objectives dictate your tactics you know don't just come up with ideas that are not linked to actually your business you know fundamentally your everything you do is with a view to impacting the bottom line of the business in a positive way and you mustn't forget that you know you should never get too hung up on oh this you know this is pretty let's post this you know why are you posting it you know one thing i always used to say to my team is if you can't think of three solid business reasons as to why you should be posting something it shouldn't be posted yeah. um so i'm more of a kind of i'm probably a bit more on the boring side of social media i would say do you know what um, it's funny though i've had the the amount of conversations i've had since going solo where i have to explain to people the value of consistency and saying if you say it on social 
and it, it, it must tie into your homepage. Your homepage must tie into your email. Your email will tie into your product range and all this kind of stuff. And try and explain that exactly what you were just saying there. Bring it together. Give it a point. Give it a meaning. Or don't do it. Who is it aimed yeah. for and why are you aiming it at those people at this particular time? It's it's amazing how people don't get that concept of consistency and, and no, like they brand togetherness. It's It's strange. It's, I find it so odd, and especially with social media, I still think there are so many businesses out there who are just doing stuff, and they don't know why they're doing it. You know, they, they want to be a part of the conversation because they want to be a part of the conversation. It's like, but what are you doing it for? Because if you consider now, you know, for social media, people have, you know, you have a social media team, you work with photographers, you work with designers, all of that is a cost to the business. So if you're going to be if you're going to be if you're going to be spending that kind of money, you want to make sure that what you're doing is going to have a positive impact on your business. It shouldn't just be for reasons of vanity. It should be for reasons of relevance, you know, reasons of obviously, like I say, your profit margins, all of these things. I think there is a lot of noise out. There's far more noise out there than there is actual meaningful content. And from a business perspective, that's just not that's just not sound thinking. No, it, it does it does make a difference, and I think to to go back to the earlier point of even when you're posting, there's still brands now who who do post and try and be engaging with their posts from time to time, but then don't engage with the comments underneath. So yeah, I hate if you're that. gonna post something, be willing to go back and put the work in and put the grind in to yeah. be able to answer the, the the questions, the queries, thank the customers for commenting and for their inputs and um whatever their input may be positive or negative it's like i can post it i can leave it i can get this amount of likes but the comments are just the comments they're fine yeah don't you don't need to touch them you don't need to mess with them that's the thing and i think what i you know one of the things i often say to people is that you know the 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 actual visual is the is only the beginning of the social media process the actual continuation of it is the comments it is actually the engagement that the actual image or the video or the gif or the meme that's only that's only a starting off point. You know, you can't like you said, you can't just post and then forget about it. You've got to then go and put the work in and like you say, respond to people, engage with people, even if it's just liking one of their comments. You know, that there is a there's a process that follows actual publishing. Publishing, if you think about it, in terms of your audience is just the beginning of the journey. Yes. Yeah, and, and I don't think a lot of people think that way. They just think, Oh, let's post it, see how many likes we get, see how many comments we can get. It's like, okay, that's great. But would you not want to boost your comments and boost your engagement by actually being social? Yeah, which is being the point. in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. So then, do you think then there's, to, to go back to what you mentioned about doing the talks and, and kind of teaching and all that kind of stuff, do you think there's an element of people don't want to do the grind anymore? Oh, like, definitely. You, 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 you said through, throughout, uh, throughout our conversation, like, it's hard work. Some days are easy and some days are nice. And other days they're long, and now going solo, you have even longer days from time to time. But is there an element of someone looks at you now, ten years into your journey, fifteen years into your journey, whatever it might be, and says, "I want to be where you are in six months' time," and you're like, "You you don't appreciate the grind, you don't appreciate no, the hard work that goes into it." People just feel a sense of entitlement because yeah. I'm on social, I should have all of these followings because I think I'm cool, so you should think I'm cool. Yeah, I definitely think there is an element of, you know, people want it now. And, you know, whenever anyone says that to me, it's like, it's taken me years to get to this point. And one of the things I always use is, 
years ago, I used to know this woman who was an agent for like musicians and people like that. And one of her musicians was doing an interview and the, the journalist asked him, you know, what, how does it feel to be an overnight success? And the guy just laughed and said, it's taken me 20 years to be an overnight yeah. success. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, I didn't just wake up one day and Harrods had a million followers. I busted my butt for years, every single day. I worked every day for seven years, Christmas day. You know, I never took a day off, literally never took a day off. And I think that's the reality of it. It's not, it's not what you know. I, okay, yeah, I can I can talk about it now, saying oh they they had I left them with this amount of followers. But what people don't see is the amount of hours I had to put in, and the amount of hard work, the amount of sacrifices I had to make in order to achieve that. And I think people don't want. There are not everyone, but I think there is definitely a um, a case of people not wanting to put in the hard work. They just want you know. 50,000 followers like that it's like but it doesn't work that way you know yeah. nothing works that way any nothing worthwhile comes easily no, it I takes like, hard work like you mentioned before as well with the bots and the, the uh, um, you can buy followers and all this kind of stuff it is it's a vanity thing you need I think you have to do the grind to appreciate um, the amount of followers that you do have or the engagement that you do have and I think we I've talked to, to plenty of brands about um, what what in the most respectful way possible we've called uh, like micro influencers so they don't have the millions and millions of followers but they have a few thousand followers ten thousand followers fifty thousand followers whatever it might be but they're in a, a unique position because they have cultivated their following they're really really engaged they don't have m the, the mass amounts of numbers but when they post it means something when they post their followers do check it out they do go and look for it they do want to know what they're up to because there's that two-way conversation and because there's that um willingness to, to to be part of the conversation when they've started it i suppose yeah that and that to me that's way more important than the number of followers you've got and i know there's a lot of people out there who would disagree with me but to me that's where the value is and it's a, it, it, it amazes me how many still how many brands don't see that they still don't get that it's like you know I, I knew a girl, she doesn't, she's not, um, she doesn't do it anymore, but she, she wasn't, she started and wanted to become an influencer. And she only had a following of like 500 people. So her following was very, very small. Um, but her engagement brand was ridiculous. Like she'd get 700 likes, she'd get a thousand comments. And the reason why she got them is because she engaged with every single person. Every comment that everybody left, she always replied, she always engaged. You know, she had, you know, she, 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 and she drove sales as well for brands. You know, she'd post about something that she really, really liked. Some of the time she wasn't even paid for it. And she would drive people to buy these products. It was amazing. And, but she doesn't do it anymore. It so, you yeah. know, and that, to me, that's, that, I mean, a 500 following, yeah, that's not a massive following, but it resulted in crazy engagement. Yeah. Cause she, know, and the thing is as well, like you were saying before, sometimes she wouldn't, she might not have been paid to post product and stuff like that but her followers knew that she valued the product it was a product exactly. she would use like you can have followers now uh, we've done it in the past with different brands that we've been working with where they'll have influencers post and post and post and they post your brand and then they post a competitor's brand and then they post another competitor's brand and it's like not one of them product means anything to you it's quite pretty clear that you're getting paid for it so all it is is literally a picture and and you're done but when you have that 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 micro influencer space that we we said where if you're posting something it's got depth and your 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 followers know it's got depth it makes a difference it really does make a difference to people 
Definitely, definitely. But the sooner, you know, more brands get on board with that, the better. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Um, okay, then. <laughs> so we've talked the whole journey and everything else. And I suppose um, what what we'll do in, in, in a, the little wrap up bit that we do at the end is our quick fire. Um, so now I, you have seen these questions before, so none of them should be too shocking. Um, <laughs> but what we'll do is just really like... Um, Fly through, see what you say, and, and, and see where we get to with our quick fire questions, okay? Okay. Cool. So, you've been in social for years and years. You've done the whole thing. Um, which is the app that you can't live without? Um, uh, my app for me at the moment is an app called Snapseed. Oh, okay. Because thing is, I'm not a professional photographer, so I kind of had to learn how to take a, a decent picture. Um and um, so Snapseed for me, it just really makes my images pop. And I just absolutely love it. I don't take any, I don't post anything without taking it into Snapseed and just making sure it looks incredible. Obviously, I don't edit it to the point where it looks completely different from the original. But it's just things like brightening it up, the sharpness of it, just things like that. Um, so, yeah, Snapseed is my app at the moment. I absolutely love it. Excellent. Okay. So if you haven't checked out Snapseed, check out Snapseed. Lisa endorsed it now. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be good. Um, okay, so next one is your favourite book, one that you've read multiple times, one that's inspired you, or one that um, you go back to every now and then to just learn something new from? Um, my favourite book is um, Long Walk to Freedom um, by Nelson Mandela. Because um, it's just, when you read about his life and the struggles that he went through and what he endured, um, it's just, it's just it, A, it leaves you speechless, but it's just incredible. And for me, as, you know, as a person of colour, as a black woman, you know, people like Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, people like that, you know, they fought for civil rights. They fought so that people like myself could have, you know, the, the civil liberties that we have today. So for me, um, especially when, you know, today we live in a world where it can be quite frivolous, it can be quite vacuous. It's really good. It serves as a reminder to me, you know what, there are people who've gone through real struggles to kind of um, set up, you know, the world that we live in today so that we can have a better standard of living. You know, even things like with the suffragettes fighting for women's rights, for women to have the right to vote, all of these things throughout history, people have, you know, really fought for us to be able to live the lives we live today. So I really like reading stuff like that. But yeah, Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela is probably my absolute favourite book. Nice. It sounds like it puts a lot of things in perspective. Definitely, um, definitely. Like, like we were saying before about uh, social and people's opinion and stuff like that. When when you read things like that, like I, I'm big on autobiographies and stuff. And I, I love reading about how people got to where they are and, and, and different things like similar to, to Nelson Mandela's book. Um, although that's one I've, I've never read before. And it, it does put things in perspective. And like you say, people have an opinion. And sometimes your opinion is not really it, it's not a valid opinion about the situation. You need to understand that there are people who've done more than you've done. To, exactly to achieve things kind of deal exactly <laughs> cool. okay so um we, we have the book then the the long road to freedom that inspired you the most so is there a quote or a saying that that means a lot to you that this kind of means a lot to your business or you come back to every now and then just to pick yourself up um yeah it's a really simple one and it's um it's from a song it's like don't worry be happy um because i just think for me I am really driven by a desire to be to be happy. And by that, I don't mean waking up every day full of the joys of spring, springing out of bed, because we all have good and bad days. But I think what I mean by that is being 
being able to be happy in spite of you know not having such a great day or understanding that things are not always going to go to plan um because you know i i am sometimes guilty of being a bit of a worrier but i think for me i sometimes i get to the point where i just think you know what worrying does not serve any purpose so you just need to stop doing it and just just focus on being happy and just kind of just being grateful um because there are a lot of people out there who are in worse situations than we are so yeah my quote that i always go back to and i and i write in all of my notebooks is don't worry be happy nice it is you know what it's funny how many people um do do start the day with just a, a small sense of gratitude and if you can find one thing that you're you feel blessed to have in your life or uh, to, to be proud to have around you it makes a difference it's, yeah, it's, it's one of them nice difference. things yeah yeah really nice good cool okay so our last question then is the one thing you would take to a desert island uh well i kind of debated on this question <laughs> because i thought would i take my mobile phone um would i you know what would i take and i just decided i would take my favorite drink which would be a case of prosecco okay good answer <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We it's, this seems like a really silly question. And when I was like putting the podcast together and stuff, and coming up with these questions, it was like, oh, is that a lame question? But you know what? It's really funny how people see different aspects of themselves, and just like, you know what? I, I'd be on a desert island, and I'd be like, yeah, just prosecco is for me, and yeah. all the different answers that we have, which I won't spoil anyone's because there's more coming and all that kind of stuff. But I think that's one of my favorites, you know, because it, it's yeah. always like a cheeky little a little bit on the end I like yeah it. and it gives you an insight into people as well you know you know what would you take and i think you know i don't my sister would probably take you know a good book or something whereas i just think nah i'm yeah. just gonna take something that i know i can have lots of fun with <laughs> just give it the guns and go <laughs> nice right well lisa it's been an absolute pleasure and and again i'm so grateful that you um you agreed to come on the show and, and let me interview you again and stuff like that it's been really interesting from a um even from my point of view, having known your journey for so long to get these insights into it and the different experiences and stuff like that. So I just want to say a massive, massive thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope, I hope everyone finds it really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that they will. So before we go, <laughs> just one last thing before we go, where can everyone find you on your social? Do you want to so, throw out your social links? Yeah, so I have two. So my, my work one is the social word. So it's the underscore social underscore word. And then if people want to follow me on my personal um, Instagram, it's Stylisa, which is at S-T-Y-L-I-S-A. Um, but just to warn you, there is a lot of stuff on there about Prosecco and chips and things because that's what I love. So, yeah. So please do follow me and reach out and say hi and, follow, and you know give me a like or a comment. I really look forward to it. Cool. And then just to, to, to push that one home, there is a lot of chips and a lot of Prosecco. I, I follow I follow Lisa for a long time and she does like chips. There's a bit less though now because I've started going to the gym. I've got a personal trainer. I've started eating a bit more salad, even though it makes me feel sick to do so. But yeah, you're, you're putting the effort in. Chips now. <laughs> but now, before we, you just enjoyed them. Now you've earned them, so it's a different. Yeah. We can enjoy them in a different way. So yeah, I'm still, I'm not buying into that. I just want to eat chips. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Well, Lisa, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate You're very it. Welcome. Cheers. Thank you. So there you go. There's our chat with Lisa. I think um, 
what can I say about about our talk together? I had loads and loads of questions planned to ask Lisa, and um, our conversation just kind of goes off on its own and into really different different ways and different interesting conversations and stuff like that. I think if there's anyone who gets social media and understands why a brand should use it in a particular way, then it's definitely Lisa. Um, coming from a background of she wants to engage, she wants to be inclusive, she wants to um, make a brand approachable and personable and all of these different kinds of things, um, they all make a difference. We talked extensively in the show about a brand just saying hello, just saying good morning, just saying we're closed. You manage expectations, but you also embrace customers. You embrace new customers and returning customers, and, and you make yourself that much more uh, approachable and personable. And and Lisa does it as better, as good as anybody else. Um, I could interview Lisa every single day about stuff like this. I think we have a really um, <clears throat> nice understanding of the platforms and how they should be used for different brands and i hope you guys enjoyed it too just want to say again thanks and massive massive thanks to lisa for taking the time and i hope you guys enjoyed it take care and we'll see you soon